0: The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Amen. If you've got a Bible, and I certainly hope that you do, and if you don't have a hard copy with you but would like one, uh, please see one of the gentlemen at the back and they can get you a hard copy Bible if you would prefer that. Uh, but go to First Kings chapter 18. So this is about a quarter of the way through your Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter 18. I do want us, as I feel... God's leading to eventually get back to the book of First Peter, I do foresee us completing that book in its entirety. But as I've said in the past, and I'll say it again, I just feel that it's so incredibly vital for a preacher, for a pastor, for a Christian, for that matter, to be led of God's Holy Spirit. And I just feel that there are some things that we should address here in the church as we get ready to face this new year as a church body together some messages that will speak specifically to what we have coming up uh, which is why today I'd like to preach about persistent prayer or persistence in prayer as again I I said being led of God's Holy Spirit I feel that it is now time for us together as a church family given the time and history in which we are and just so many things that I feel the Lord has impressed upon my heart that now is the time for us together and I'm so grateful for the many of you that I've been able to, we've been able to have over for dinners and meals, and we still look forward to those things with those of you that we haven't been able to enjoy with yet. But just getting to know the heart and the DNA of this church in the time that I've been here, I feel the Lord would have us to begin to start praying about God's vision for our church. Uh, this is not my vision. This is not your vision. This is God's vision. And if we are to ascertain that, if we are to get that, I believe that it's going to come Through and only through, very focused, intentional, persistent prayer. Many of you have probably seen the booklets that are standing up here with me along this platform. And at the end of the service, I'm going to invite people to come and take these 40-day prayer challenges. And it's simply all it is is a small booklet that guides us through 40 days of prayer that collectively we as a church will begin on January 1, which will lead us all the way through 40 days and then it's February, February 9th, I believe, in your bulletins that we will come together in a solemn assembly service. And the whole point of that service will be for us to pray together as a church family and seek God's direction for us as New Covenant Community Church. And certainly in, in the 40 days of prayer as we take the first 40 days of 2020, I mean, I know many of the things that your families are going through with family challenges and all sorts of things. I understand some of those things, and and I'm praying for you with those, with you, and and I want you to pray about those things as well. But what I'm asking for us to do as a body of believers is collectively, let us pray for 40 days persistently that God would reveal to us as a church family what His vision is for us. There are some things that we know in Scripture are simply givens. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. I mean, that is, for, if you're a believer, that is your mission. I mean, there's some things that we just know for sure. But is there something specific? How would God have us posture ourselves in 2020 and the years following? What is it that God would have for us to do specifically? That's what we're hoping and praying that God would lead us in. There was a Christian who was what you might call a backslidden Christian, and he was a sailor on a boat. And he's on this boat with the other crew members, the the sailors that were with him, and they come into this very bad storm, this very bad tropical storm. And it was so bad, in fact, that many of these seasoned sailors, they thought that this very well might be the thing that takes their life. This storm was so crazy. And one of these backslidden Christians was on this boat, and the other sailors, they knew that in his past, 15 years before, that he used to call himself a Christian, and he used to pray and read his Bible and all those things, and so they say to him, when the storm is getting so bad, they say, we know that you used to be a Christian, and, and supposedly you used to talk to God and know God's will, so you should, you should pray for us right now that, that God would save us through this storm. So the man says, okay, so he kneels there on the deck of the boat, and he prays, and he says, Lord, I know... For 15 years I haven't read your word, I haven't prayed, I haven't lived the way that my parents taught me, I haven't done any of those things, but God, if you just help me this one time, I, will, I promise I won't bother you for another 15 years, and, and that's many times the way that many of us will treat prayer, but we know that Jesus taught something very, very different. In Luke chapter 11, he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend, and go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on, a, on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer him and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Now, for all of you who have children or have had young children, you know how dire of a situation this is. Your children are asleep in bed, and you getting out might wake them, and your children are asleep. That is a sacred, holy moment especially in my house, I used to think that if somebody broke into my home, I'd grab my gun and I'd protect my family. Now I just whisper through the dark and be like, take what you want, but if you wake this baby, I'm going to shoot you. (laughs) (laughs) He will not give because he has his friends, yet because of his persistence, he will rise. The man with his sleeping children in bed will rise and give his friend as as much food as he needs to be able to take home and give to his friend who's on his journey. He also says later, Jesus says in Luke chapter 18, he says, then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, there was a certain sit in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary, and he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself. Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Church, the problem is not that we don't pray, it's that we don't keep praying. So we sometimes pray like we put quarters into a Coke machine. We put a few in and it doesn't it and immediately spit out what we want, so therefore we throw our hands up and walk away, and we just don't continue we don't have persistence so the question i'd like to answer is not just for us for me to tell you to pray persistently i think all of us know that but what i'd like for us to do is in the book of first kings chapter 18 you can now look to verse 41 is to see in the life of elijah not just that he prayed persistently but what does someone who prays persistently do what does that person do what is their attitude yes they pray persistently like we know we all ought to but what else do they do? What is their attitude? So, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, to Mount Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And seven times he said, Go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, There is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Go up, say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened In the meantime, that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. Now, to understand the story, we need to understand just a little bit of the backstory, the backdrop to the story. We read of Elijah, who we know is a powerful prophet of God. We read of Ahab, who is the king of Israel at this time. We know of Ahab that he was a very wicked king. The Bible says, specifically, that he was more evil than any of their other kings in Israel that had been before him. Ahab led people in the worship of the false god Baal. This false god was supposedly worshipped by people harming themselves. He was Baal was thought to be a god of fertility and he would be worshipped by, by self-mutilation as well as by offering infants and children on an altar to burn them alive. They were offering children God he's a very wicked king and he led the people the children of Israel in these wicked practices to worship a false God and Elijah because of the wickedness throughout the land he proclaims a drought droughts in those times as you might imagine were very very serious they dried up all the water sources as well as the food that they would grow and the Bible tells us that this drought was to continue until Elijah said that it would no longer be I mean, the Bible tells us that it would continue until Elijah's word, and then when Elijah's word said that the drought is over, the drought would then be over. Just prior to this portion of text that we read, we read of Elijah confronting 450 of these prophets of Baal. And as you know the story, if you don't know the story, you should certainly, certainly go to the text prior to what we just read and read it later today. It's one of the most incredible stories in Scripture, and I say that about every story in Scripture. But he confronts these 450 prophets, and as you know, There was this heavenly ordained test that Elijah was hoping to prove to the children of Israel, to the people, who was the true God. They set up these altars and these sacrifices, and Elijah says, Well, you pray to your God, I'll pray to mine, whoever God, whichever God answers by consuming the sacrifice with fire is the true God. As you might imagine, the prophets of Baal dance around, cutting themselves, nothing happens. Elijah prays, and the offering is consumed by Almighty God. Amazing. Story, But what happens after that that most preachers leave out, it's kind of a <clears throat> makes you just kind of hard to preach sometimes. Elijah takes these 450 prophets, what he says after these this offering is consumed by Almighty God, he still says to the people, don't let one of the 450 prophets escape. Don't let any of them escape. And he marches them down by the brook and he slaughters every single one of them. Elijah, 450 men, slaughtered which is an important part of the story, as we'll see in just a moment. Now, you might say, that's pretty serious, Pastor Ben, that's pretty extreme. Well, God takes murder very extreme, especially when it comes to children, as we see in Scripture. Elijah prays, as we just read, and then the drought was ended in this torrential, heavy, heavy downpour of rain. So the first thing that we can say if you're taking notes is that persistent spiritual cleansing or repentance precedes God's mighty works. And the Ben Sweeterman version of that would simply say, repentance comes before God working mightily in our lives. Before God ending this drought and causing this rain cloud that was just a tiny little thing on the horizon that ends up swallowing the sky and downpouring rain and it ends the drought, God did a mighty work. Elijah cleansed the people of these wicked pastors, these wicked Prophets of this false God. Now, we can certainly find exceptions to this in Scripture. If you're thinking of, like, Saul on the road to Damascus, he obviously, the Bible says in Acts 9 that while he was still breathing threats and murder against the church and against the Christians, Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus and does an amazing, powerful, mighty work of God in in Saul, then to be Paul's life. So we know that that sometimes does happen, but the pattern we see in Scripture if we could read Scripture and say here's what happens most of the time, here's how God deals with His people most of the time, is that when we get some cleansing going on, some repentance and we get rid of the things in our lives and around us that's, that's wicked before us, it usually precedes God doing a mighty, mighty work. We know that this was certainly true for Israel. They go to this city called Ai, or Ai. It's simply spelled Ai, this city. And, and they'd been going around destroying all the cities. These other wicked cities that also were, had terrible, wicked, murderous type worship of false gods. And God was using Israel as His instrument of judgment upon all these wicked people. And they're driving out the nations before them. And they come up to this one city and they can't beat them. They try to go up and they even send out spies. And yeah, it's a small place. Just send a few thousand. We'll, we'll beat them with a few thousand. They go in and they can't do it. They can't beat I in this in this battle. And come to find out, one of the men in Israel, God gave them very specific instructions of what they were to keep in these cities and what they were to burn completely. And there was a man in the tribe of Israel who had kept some things that he was not supposed to keep, and he, and he hid it in his tent. So when Joshua led the people, they got rid of that man, they got rid of his tent, they burned everything in the camp that was, had anything to do with wickedness. They repented of it, they go back to Ai, and they defeat it without any issue. God's mighty works happen after spiritual cleansing. Spiritual cleansing or repentance precedes God's mighty, mighty works. We know that this is true of unbelievers. That when unbelievers are walking in sin and they're walking towards idolatry and towards adultery and towards fornication and towards lying and towards all the things that God would say we're not supposed to do, the moment they say, "I'm not doing this anymore," and they turn around, that's when God saves the person. The believer comes a believer, and God saves them. Their names are then written and the Lamb's Book of Life. Repentance precedes God's mighty works. So what I want us to say to us this morning, church, is that if you and I, beginning on January 1 of the year 2020, if we would hope that God would even choose to speak to broken vessels, redeemed broken vessels like me and you, we must repent. We must ask God to seek the deep places of our heart. If you're a non-believer and you've never repented of your sins yes, please, repent of your sins God will save you. Your home will go from hell to heaven and and you'll be one of God's children. What a wonderful thing that is. But even for the believer for the seasoned saints at New Covenant Community Church what I'm saying is our prayer ought to be like Psalm 19 which says, cleanse me from my secret faults keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins let them not have dominion over me so what i'm saying to you and to me and to abby and to to the believers of new covenant community churches that in the 40 days of the first 40 days of 2020 as we're praying for things in your family and things in my family and lost friends and family members and we're praying for our church together us coming together as believers and we're praying for those things let's ask god to seek the deep places of our hearts God hears our hearts. Cultivate everything out. God, is there anything you want out of here? Anything you want me to my eyes not to see? I I want to get it out, God. I had to recently. There was a movie that recently came out, and I've seen the first like three or four movies that came out, and and this next one came out, and I was just I just became convicted that you know it's it wasn't like there was any. Sexuality or anything like that—that was in the movie. I've obviously that's been part, not a part of my life for a long time now. But it just had a lot of violence in it. I just God had to deal with my heart that my heart doesn't need that. My eyes don't need to see those just the the grotesque, violent images. I just God has has convicted me of that. So what I'm asking us to do, church, in these first 40 days of the new year is ask God to cultivate out of your heart anything. That he would have not there. When I was, um, when Abby and I were married for about a year, I did something that I'm, I'm pretty sure makes me the most brave man on the planet. I looked at her and I said, um, We've been married about a year, I think it was. And I said, Is there anything I do that bugs you? <laughs> Is she... And I, don't get me wrong, I am married to the sweetest woman that has ever walked the face of this planet. And uh and she smiles and and in a very loving, gracious way, as she always does, she says, you know, yeah. There there are a couple things you're all laughing. You should be like, Abby, you're wrong. And you know, she said, Yeah, there and and I don't even remember what they were now, but it was just small little things, nothing huge, but little things that that bugged her. What would happen, New Covenant Community Church, if to the start of this forty days of prayer guided by these little helpful booklets that we'll, we'll give out in a while. What if we just, in the quietness of our heart, prayed and said, God, is there anything that I do that bugs you? Is there anything I do that you would like to see me not have in my life going into this next year? I hope and pray that that is our prayer together as a church. Now look back to your Bibles. Look at verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain as you might know commonly in these times if there was a a very severe drought as this would have been even the kings would have prohibited themselves from eating and drinking lots of water and wine and food and whatnot during these droughts everybody was like on a very small ration just to make sure that there was enough to get through the drought so elijah says to ahab go up and feast the rain is coming the streams will be full of water again the crops will be plentiful again go up And eat and drink. There is the sound of an abundance of rain. Verse forty two. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he bowed down on the ground, and put his face between his knees. So I don't want us to miss this here, and I'm not trying to be weird, but I just I want you to picture this. Elijah knew that the drought was going to end at his word. But here's the posture of the prophet of God, even though he knew that the he just had to say the word and the drought was over. It's all he had to do. But his posture was to go up in a a secluded place by himself, and just his servant there, and he's by himself in this quiet place where he can focus on the Lord. And he bows his face between his knees and his face is on the ground, and, and he says, from this position before God to his servant, go up and check and see if the rain cloud is coming. From this position, he's humbled himself before God, knowing that all it took was for him to say the Word and the drought would be over. So what I want to tell you next, church, is persistent humility precedes God's mighty works. We're not just hoping to say pray with persistence. Yes, that is true. But what is the attitude of this man in Scripture who prayed persistently? It was one where he had to do some cleansing around him of getting rid of these prophets of Baal and their wickedness and leading God's people astray. It was the repentance. It was the humility that he had to bow his face between his knees on the ground to humble himself before Almighty God, which precedes God's mighty works. So for these next 40 days, let us humble ourselves, church. Church. I know many times when we gather together. I mean, I love. I, there's nothing I love more than getting together with all of you on a Sunday morning and asking how you are. And and those of you that I see for the first hour for Sunday school, Bruce and Scott and just your wives, I get to see how you guys are doing. And and we usually greet each other with, "How are you doing? How is how is your week?" And that's a genuine thing. I mean, I really, if I ask you that, I really want to know how your week was. And if you say great, that's great. If it was terrible, let me know. And well, I'll pray about for you and and how your week was and whatnot. But moving forward in this year to come church a very real and good way in which we could greet each other in this when we see each other on sunday morning or on wednesday night is have you humbled yourself this week how many times have you how many times have you have you brought yourself low before almighty god this week and that's, that's a question that I want to be fair game on the table for all of us, for you to ask me and for me to ask any one of you who will be willing to come and take these prayer guides to know that you're going to be praying for the first 40 days of this new year. The question is, is free game on the table for anybody to ask each other, have you humbled yourself before God? Because if your heart is like mine, it's, it's not prone to humble itself. It's just not. And I'm not trying to make church stressful or weird or anything, but I do want us to be serious about our faith because I know that Christ held nothing back when it came to saving you and I. When it came to paying our sin debt, Jesus didn't hold anything back, so how could we even dare as His children and as His servants to offer Him anything less but our all? Have you humbled yourself before God? The very worst thing that could happen to you or to me as a believer is to have the thought that we don't need God. I think that's why it says in Proverbs 30 verses 8 and 9, it says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? So by show of hands, how many, and I'm going to raise my hand first, how many of you over Christmas ate until you thought you were just going to burst on the floor? Yeah. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. So. Man, I, cookies and eggnog and ham and, I mean, it was, woo, it was good. I didn't need to eat for like three days after that. It was, that was a feast. But you know, I thought after the fact, after I got done with my stomach ache, I thought, you know, in America, I think Proverbs 38 and 9 probably is, is the greatest danger for Americans. Because we live in a, in a bountiful land where it's easier than anywhere in the world to prosper and we're safe and we've got these cushy incomes and these great reliable cars and, and we just got, we got so much. The great danger for you and for me is to be so full with everything that we say, who's the Lord? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm willing to bet probably that most every single one of us has never had to actually really pray where our next meal was going to come from. And if God didn't provide you a meal, you didn't have it. But we know there's places and people in the world that suffer from those kinds of things every single day. So guys, let, us, let our fullness and who we are, let us live in the bountiful blessings that God has given us, but let it never allow us to be so full that we say to ourselves, who is the Lord? We don't need Him. He didn't provide this meal. We don't need Him. No, we need to humble ourselves before Almighty God. If Elijah got on his face before God knowing what was going to happen, How much should we in these first 40 days of the new year, not knowing what's going to happen, humble ourselves before Almighty God and pray that He would be gracious in in expressing to us the vision that He would have for this church. You know, in football, I know a lot of people are kind of sad this morning about football. But football players, regardless of how big, regardless of how strong, regardless of what kind of athlete they are, the coaches, if they're on the defensive part of the team, the coaches will tell them to stay low. If you don't stay low and your center of gravity doesn't stay low, somebody's going to come and knock you on your rear end. And, and you've got to stay low. It doesn't matter how big, how strong, how fast, you've got to stay low if you're going to survive out on that field and have some defense out on the field. And what I want to tell us, and I want to tell you senior folks that are in the room this morning, is no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter how sanctified you are, and you are, I praise God for the for the wisdom that God has poured out on the many senior folks that are in this church. But just remember, no matter how tall and how strong and how sanctified you are, you must stay low. We must stay low before God. Persistent humility before God precedes His mighty works. Now if you would, look to verse 43. And Elijah said to his servant from this, on the ground, face between his knees, praying before God, he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And seven times, everyone say seven times, seven times, he said, go again, go again, go again, go again. Check again. Look out to the sea again. Look to see if the rain cloud has come yet. Go again. Go again. And we don't know exactly how far this was. If we were just, we could assume maybe from where Elijah was praying to get to the edge where the servant could see out over the sea. Maybe, perhaps, we don't know, but maybe it was the distance from like right here up and around the stairs, up into the sound booth where Travis is. I mean, who knows, but maybe it was that far. But however far it was, this servant is coming back. Elijah's still praying, and Elijah says, go again, I'll pray again, I'll pray again, go again, look again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, the servant said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. It's this little bitty, just peace coming out of the horizon. It's It's coming out of the sea. Church, persistent prayer precedes God's mighty works. Persistent prayer. The, the, the picture that we have of prayer that from this example in the Old Testament and what Jesus teaches in the New Testament is praying is this not, God, we New Covenant Community Church, we need to understand the vision if you would just answer that prayer when we get together for our solemn assembly. No, the, the vision that we have is God, we need a vision. God, we need You. God, we need bread. God, have You heard us? God, are You there? God, are You going to answer us? God, we're getting together to pray. God, will You answer us? God, give us Your vision. That is the picture that Jesus gives. It's not one of passively going before the King and saying, get justice before Me from My adversary. No, it's continually coming. It's persistent prayer. It's go again and go again and check again in church... What I would just like to say is wouldn't it be something if from New Covenant Community Church that the echo of our prayers would not leave God's ears for the first 40 days of this new year, that it would be a continual echoing in God's ear that we're crying out to Him, asking Him to show us what it would be that He would have this church do in the years to come. Because here's what I believe, and I believe this in my soul, I believe this, that if we don't. Ascertain if we don't get God's vision for what He would have us do, it is the difference between eternity in eternity for many people in Johnstown and Utica and Mount Vernon and all around us. I believe that. So so we must repent. We must ask God to just cultivate anything out of our hearts and repent before God. And we must be humble even though we know we're God's children. We know that He loves us. We know that He hears our prayers. We must get on the ground and humble ourselves before God. We must have this persistent prayer, this persistent knocking of God, God, we need You. We need You. God, God, will You answer us this prayer? Will You show us the vision that You have? For this church, would you would you come through for me, God, in 2020 for this thing that has been plaguing my family for so long? It's a continual coming before God, persistent prayer before God. There was a boy just before Christmas time and his grandma had come over to spend the night on Christmas Eve before Christmas morning and he was uh, praying in his bedroom before bedtime on the edge of his bed and his mother was out in the hallway and folding some laundry. And she hears her son, her young son, praying. She, he's praying and saying, Lord, thank You for you know Christmas and for all the food that we'll enjoy tomorrow and give us a good night's rest. And, and God, I would really love to have a bicycle for Christmas! And she's kind of stunned. And she goes in and she's like, Honey, you you don't have to scream like that. God can hear you. And he says, Oh, well, I know God can hear me, but Grandma can't hear very good and she's got the money for the bicycle. So, she <laughs> church... God has the resources, that's for certain. And God can also hear us. Can he who made the ear not hear himself? He can hear us. But what he does call us to do, despite the fact that he has the resources readily available, and despite the fact that he can hear us without any issue, he doesn't have to strain to hear us. What he does call us to do, though, is to pray persistently, to keep knocking, to keep coming before the king, to go again to go again and to go again. And if you would now look to verse 45, I'd love how this story ends. It's just this little rain cloud. It just starts as a small thing. Just a little tiny... If you've ever stood on the edge of a body of water and you see just a rain cloud, just you know what that looks like. Just this little thin line coming out. It's about the size of a man's hand. Just a small little cloud coming out. And it says, and it happened, verse 45, in the meantime, that the sky became black with clouds and wind. And there was a heavy rain. Church, I don't know about you, but I am ready for a heavy rain of God's direction for my life, for your life, and for our lives together as a church family. Do you believe that? If you do, say amen. We must trust God in these things. Brian, if you would come. So what I'd like to ask us to do is... uh, for those that are willing, and if you're not willing, we we will think no less of you. We will not embarrass you. For for those that are willing to say, earnestly, not before me. Who cares about me? Before God, if you're willing to say, I will take one of these booklets and I will I will pray. I I will I will devote myself to forty. Perhaps this is the first time that you've ever prayed forty days in a row in your life. But if you're willing to before the Lord, to say, I will pray every single day for 40 days and i'm not talking about in this legalistic way that if your parent dies we're going to like excommunicate you from the church if you didn't pray that day like i'm not talking about that but i'm talking about people being real and serious with god in the same way that he was real and serious about paying your sin debt that you'll say i'll pray for 40 days i'll pray for my family I'll pray for my own spiritual life, I'll pray for my spouse, my children, and I will pray that for this church that I'm a part of, this this body of believers, for Christ's body that I'm a part of together in God's kingdom, we will pray together that God would give us His vision for our church. As I said in the past weeks, I, I am not willing, equipped, or even want to just sit in my office and come up with some mission statement that I could come up with in a couple creative afternoons. I'm not even excited about that, and I don't think you should be either. But if we feel like we hear from God, that's a mission. I'm willing to run through a brick wall for that, and I think you should too. So would you stand with me? As Brianna begins to sing, if you are saying that you're willing to pray for 40 days, starting on January 1, I'm going to invite any who would like to to come up by yourself and grab one for yourself. And don't do this with your spouse. Make sure that you have one for yourself. And your spouse has one for their self as well. Let me pray and we'll sing. Father, you're good to us. Father, I pray. God, we are so weak. You are are strong. We are weak. You are wise. We are foolish. You're steadfast. Our hearts are fickle. You're so much higher and greater and You're glorious. And we exalt You as the King of our lives this morning. And You're also our Shepherd. So I pray as we begin this new year devoted to prayer for our families and our spouses and our children and this church and the mission that You would have for us. Let us be devoted to it, God. In the same way that You were devoted to us, to redeem a people that could have never deserved it, but You took Calvary for us in our stead. In Jesus' name, everybody said, if you're willing to pray, come and pick up a book.